Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. We're in John 8, and as we know, the feasts of the tabernacles ended. Jesus is in these dialogues continually with the Jews, and we just finished in verse 30, where after he had this dialogue again about the Son of Man being lifted up, uh, and as he's speaking to the Jews, uh, and it says in verse 30, and after these things, many believed in him, many believed in him. So you would automatically think, and this, no, this, Jesus says this a lot in scripture. After this, many believed in him. Before I get saved, I believed to an extent. Do you believe in God? Aye, I believe in some God. Aye, something. No. Prayed to him enough when I was in trouble or owed somebody money or I was looking for a drink. No, so, uh, or whatever. So I believed in God. You know, saying we believe is, is, is no the, is no proof of anything. You know, most people that come to church say they believe. In fact, they just done a uh, they just done a survey recently. You know, surveys, didn't they? Some of them. There's one certainty about surveys is is that they say that ninety percent of surveys are made up on the spot. The statistics, but so you don't really take them as law. But anyway, uh, I'd read different people had done this kind of survey, and it's, no, and it was in America. And it says ninety five percent of Christians in America, ninety percent. No, start again. 85% of Christians in America believe that there's other ways to heaven other than Jesus. When they done the survey with Roman Catholics alone, it went up to 95%. 95% people, you wouldn't believe that. And just because people say they believe, and this is what Jesus is ready to address, just because people say they believe, it doesn't mean anything. And I think us as a church, and I can relate this, and the scripture we're going to share, this is a go-to scripture. I mean, this is, this is on tattoos. This is, you'll see it everywhere. Fridge magnets, no, everywhere, you know. Uh, you'll see that. It's maybe the, one of the first scriptures you memorize. Let me get in and read the scripture, and then we'll... Uh, We'll break it down a bit after that. So John eight thirty one. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's the bit in it. The truth will set you free. The truth, everybody attaches themselves to the truth will set you free. And everything, the truth will set you free. It doesn't matter, you know. Probably see see the rainforest up there, banana rainforest or whatever it's called, the winds jump about, there'll probably be a sign saying truth will set you free or something as winds are climbing up trees or something. It means nothing. Truth will set you free. You know, truth will set you free. It's just everybody says it. Everybody uses it for, you use it for any, you'll probably see it wimbled in the day. You know what I mean? Federal walk out, truth will set you free. Oh, that's what I need. No, it's, it's silly. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will, we will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And during this last dialogue at the end, it says these words that they believed in him. And then you can tell as Jesus then starts addressing this, that he's getting into a conversation with him who said, we believed in him. Believing in Jesus is not the same as saving faith. 
And one of the things that I've learned, especially in the last 18 months to two years in church, I've been alarmed. In fact, it's not just alarmed, I've been alarmed at myself, to be honest with you, and shocked and uh, disappointed uh, that, that we as a church for years would have took for granted that people in church believe. We'd, because they said they believe. You know, we baptised people into Hope United. What's that about? Shocking, isn't it? Oh, so it was all about them coming to a church and people get baptised in churches every day. I'm always alarmed. Listen, I'm not being a sceptic. I'm always alarmed when I see all these kids getting baptised and I'm thinking, what are they getting baptised into here? What are they getting baptised into here? You know, do they understand baptism? Oh, people getting baptised could not publicly declare who Jesus is. You know, and they are, are daring put no, and they go, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just not that type of person. Just, you just not be getting baptised here, you know, or baptised in. When I came to this church, I met people, and it's just gave me a new lease of life. I said, what? We've gave you a new lease of life. The churches gave you a new lease of life. What about Jesus? Yeah. You know, and no, no, that's I believe, I believe. Oh, uh, we, we had a thing. I think we had it for years. I'm, I'm glad. I, 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 I hope. Listen, the, let me just say this. The disciples baptised people and they wouldn't have known if they believed or not. So we, we, you never fully know. But, but there's, a, there's a lot of ideas that you can have a better clarity about knowing and over the years. And I'd like to think it won't happen again. That we'll, we'll continue to baptise people that, that say they believe without really challenging what they actually believe before they get baptised. Because, you no, know, if you get baptised as a child... No, child, but that doesn't mean you believe, you don't believe anything. That's why we don't believe in covenant theology. Because it's no, it, there's no benefit. But there could be a hindrance. And the hindrance could be as, as when you get older. The hindrance could be when you get older, you actually think you believe and you actually think you're going to get saved and it's no benefit to you whatsoever. So, uh, so believing in Jesus is not the same as saving faith. Believing in is the first step, of course it is. But here's the problem, it's often the last step. It's not just the first step for people, it's often the last step. And that kind of is where it ends with people, I believe as well. If you ask yourself a question, no, just retrospect, just internally don't start asking out loud. But if you ask yourself a question, you're like, I believe before I I believed before I believed. (laughs) I believe before I believed. It's actually where it stopped. I believe, but that was it. It was just... It was, as, it was as simple and it was as shallow and it was, that was it, you know. Well, we even get Christians who, who defend their spouse as the believers who would never come to church. That's all right, doesn't he come? My husband never comes to church. No, no, but we're playing golf this weekend, next weekend and every weekend after that. But don't get me wrong, he's a believer. That's no helpful. That's no helping anybody. You know, or, or, or another classic get-out-of-jail-free card. Don't get me wrong, they're no against me coming. That's no helpful either. That's no help nobody. That's, that's not doing any good whatsoever. That's just appeasing guilt. So you've got that as well. So, uh, and the problem is, is that we are living in a post-modern world. No, and many of you know this. We're living in a post-modern world. Uh, and I'm sure you'll have heard we're in a post-modern world. What does it mean to live in a post-modern world? Well, let me explain first what a pre-modern world is. Uh, there's a pre-modern world, then there's a modern world, then there's a post-modern world. The pre-modern world era is when people believed in truth. And they believed that truth came from God. 
That's a pre-modern world. They believe that truth came from God and religion and it was a source of truth and reality and morals. Everything was measured on that and God. Uh, that's pre-modern world. God was taught and it was central to cultures and things and things were measured on God and his sovereignty and who he was. That is the pre-modern era. The modern era is the age, run about 1900s, run about the age maybe in the 1930s-ish. It's, this, is a, this is a modern era. This was the age of enlightenment. No, this is when psychologists were born. You understand? This is the age of Freud and, 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 and Carol Gustav Jung and Alder and all the psychologists and all the thinkers and the scientists as they go to prove stuff, which is no wrong in many things. They, they go to prove stuff. The earth's no flat after all. You know, there's stars and there's galaxies and scientists go to prove stuff and this stuff becomes the modern era. Uh, no, as we get to see like a deeper sense of truths. But then here's the issue that starts happening. And the reason I'm explaining this is, is because this is exactly where we're at in the world today. And especially young people, all people, but young people are in this era of the day. And we have to pray for pastors and people who are leading young people and pastoring because they are caught up teaching people. As, as pastors and leaders are, we're caught up teaching in a modern era or a postmodern era. And the postmodern era is where we live because there's that much new evolved. Yeah. So you've got Freud's ideas, you've got Jung's ideas, you've got all different psychology ideas, you've got scientists' ideas, you've got David Ambra's ideas about a, a bird that was that's lived for 20 trillion billion years. You've got every other idea that's now attached to your thoughts, <laughs> that's attached to your idea, what gives you multiple choice living. And what starts happening is, is everything started to evolve and now the postmodern era is, what is truth? What's truth? What is truth? What's truth today? This is what you'll hear in young people. You know, they won't say it, they don't have language for it, but they'll think it. For you? I for you it's truth. I don't know if you read, seen my post yesterday, you should read it, it's good, it's a... I'm saying it's good. It's not about me, sorry. I don't mean that. That's horrible, isn't it? Oh, listen to me. No, no I, don't, I don't mean that. Uh, I honestly don't mean that. I hate that. Almost embarrassed about that. Uh, so, but I was writing about uh, autonomy. And what autonomy is, autonomy is a postmodern word. And autonomy, what autonomy means is everybody's idea is right. You understand? Thank you how parents are bringing up kids today. No saying this in a judgment way. If she wants that, that's her right. What? What? Are you kidding? This is post-modernism, okay? Post-modernism says, there's that many different truths that I'm allowed now because of the philosophy, the ideologies, everything's evolved to anything. Look, I'm a girl because I said I'm a girl. What? No, you're no. Yes, I am, because I said I am, and it's my truth. See, this is this is postmodernism. This is but well, okay. I want to decide. I want to be. I'm eighteen. All right. As of now, I'm eighteen. Okay, just to let you know. How can I not be? 
I'm 18, all right. And don't tell me I'm no. 18. How? Because I've decided I'm 18 and it's my idea. See, this is postmodern. Everyone's subjective. It's everyone's subjective now. Because it's, it's, it's the, the pre-modern era, but then the modern era, there was the involvement of thoughts and ideas and, and science discovered stuff. And what happens is it's not that science has discovered stuff or they've learnt stuff. That's not the problem. Because some stuff's good to learn, no. It's good that you used to have a telescope. No, you, it's good that you used to fly kites. The only reason I say this last week, and I, I, I've mentioned this before, no, we were up at the beach at Dundee, and I think it was Eilish and Nick's daughter, the oldest one, Isla. Aye, I was just right trying to remember her name. And Isla had a kite, and it was good, and it had wee things on it, and it was given that. And I was like, oh, oh. And I just said, he's a shot. <laughs> oh, and I'm winding it out, and I'm, and I'm running. And it was great, and it was going right up. I never had that. I had a fine fair bag in wool. <laughs> and he's a fine fair polythene bag in wool. And you tried to get the wind into the poly bag, and you would run like the clappers with the wool. And, and sometimes it got about two feet off the ground. It's evolved. So, so it's good. It's good that we're beyond fine fair bag. By the way, I think they were kites then, but we were poor. You know what I mean? We were poor. And even if we weren't poor, we'd such a poor mindset that we would have been poor. You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, so we're not saying that science and what's evolved, the Hubble telescope, you know, the perfect, the perfect spiral galaxy. In fact, there's another galaxy. They've got new uh, satellites and new stuff that, that goes beyond. I mean, this, the galaxies beyond galaxies, like two billion light years away. You, know, that's, you have no idea how fast that is, you know what I mean? So... No, how traveling light travels just just quickly here. You know what I mean. This is this is kind of Lugaglio stuff, but light travels at sixty eight thousand miles a second. So traveling at sixty eight thousand miles a second for two billion years, and there's a star out there, and we can see it on a satellite, and all this stuff. Oh. We know it's all God, but all this stuff, all this stuff and all this technology and all this new knowledge and all this new ideas, you know what I mean? All these new ways of thinking has created a postmodern era which is an absolute constant attack on truth when it's not explained well. It's a constant attack on truth. Yeah. So it's no harder than ever to preach the gospel. Because what is truth? And the gospel today is seen as dictatorship, controlling. You are so a touch. Oh, I look at youth today and they just look at me and go, you are so a touch. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you don't know anything yet. No, because I'm no 18, but I was. Yeah. I know they don't think I was ever 18. They don't know. Young people never think they were young. Just born at 50. Aye, but things have changed today. I know. You've got mere stuff to lie about. You've got mere stuff to hide behind. You've got mere delusion. You've got more truths. Kid on truths. 
This is postmodern world. One's own ideas, my truth. I was at an AA meeting years ago and a guy, everybody thought he was outstanding philosopher, thought he was off his chump. I really did, and I remember standing and he was like, well, it's all down to your truth, you know what I'm saying? He was for, he was for Kelvin's side. It's all down to your truth. Is it? Is it? I'm like, shut up, Alky. That's what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> shut up, Alky, would you, you know? Uh, tolerance now dominates. See, see, the more truths, the more ideas, the more philosophies, the more takes. Tolerance dominates the world today. Tolerance is the modern era. Uncertainty now is the only certainty. The only certainty now is, we're not sure, There's, what, what else do you know? People are now get a nihilistic view of life, meaning they are sceptical of everything other than what they want. Well being loyal to no one. You ever notice how little loyal young people are to people today? No, oh, it's about, on a scale in one to ten, it's about minus 50. On the loyalty scale, no, that's, that's a reflection in an outworking a constant postmodern modernism that's, it's your opinion, mother. Really? Really? Wait, I'll tell you what my opinion is now. Well, we'll not bother going there, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Aye, that's your opinion. That was for your time. You just don't get what the world's like today. Really? See, this is, this is, this is where we're at. Nihilistic view of life, meaning they're sceptical of everyone, well being loyal to no one other than themselves. Therefore, I'm not bothered. What do you want to do? Pff, pff. Can't be bothered. Everything's can't be bothered. Everything. Everything is, I just can't be Because what's the point? Because there's no truth. Almost impossible to be happy. Yeah. Almost impossible to be happy. Pessimistic. Entrepreneurial pessimistics. <laughs> totally pessimistic about everything. But here's the thing, and this is what I love to say: the, no, the, the, the postmodern, you know, what your truth and your thing, God concept. God's a concept. And this is what happened. God, Jesus is a concept. It's your thing. It's where you find meaning. Yeah, you get this, didn't you? Yeah. I know you go to church, but that's where you find meaning. I find meaning in. Crystals and hugging trees. It's my truth, really. Who made the tree? <laughs> oh, bang, was it? Take, it's like taking a landscape jigsaw puzzle. This is my bit. It's like taking a landscape here, a jigsaw puzzle, putting all the pieces, breaking them all up, and shaking the puzzle like mad, and then just going like, voila. Even scientists now know that, even scientists have found out that, because this is what happens, it ends up backfiring on itself, isn't it? Everything does is it starts evolving in this postmodern era. Kids aren't getting no enough say, let kids be individuals, let them do all that, then it all backfires again. And the very thing that they're teaching ends up going, that's not going to work, is it? They've no thought of it. No. It's like saying, eh. I believe in total autonomy. Autonomy means individuality, self-reliance, all that stuff. I believe in total autonomy. That's all right if you don't have a tongue. And you don't teach and you don't have an opinion about anything because at some point you're going to forget that. Sometime you're going to forget and that's, that's a postmodern 
That's a postmodern contemporary church model as well. Postmodern contemporary church model will say this. Let's not make absolutes about anything. Let people go on a journey to discovery. And what we get about that of that, what we agree with, that it's a journey of sanctification and understanding and becoming clearer who God is. But when it becomes that, nothing's an absolute. But here's the thing about all that stuff, and especially with the nihilistic view. You know, sometimes I want to just say to them, say in the face, why is it you still crave love then? Why is it you still crave love? You've no control over that. You've no control or understanding why you still crave love. Which is a killer for nihilists. <laughs> Nihilism. Because they can't have an answer for that. Anyway. You have the pre-modern which trusted in God and religion and took them to truths and absolutes. Then the modern world age of science and discovery. And the birth of psychology. And that's what they started, the ideas come from. And the church is no different. We're living in a postmodern church preaching culture where we're preaching ideas and we're preaching angles and we're preaching stuff because every single person is an individual. And we're obsessed with individuality. You know, we keep on getting bang on about individuality because for a million and one reasons... Uh, and we can understand some of it, we abuse and different stuff that's went on. The day, the cause of that is burn out the pastors as they're trying to come up with the next idea and how to get people to unite, how to find out how we can individual psychology people, uh, like Alder did, uh, how, we can, how we can get them to find their angle, to get them understanding of the word. Psychologists are psycho coming as mad as their patients is everybody, there's too many angles for what problems are. You know? And if we've no fun an angle for a problem, as we'll create a label and find another angle for another problem so that it can become mere individual again. You know? Doctors are stretched to death. You know? they're, they're, they're needing doctored. Because you know? what used to be the problems now, it's just, it never ends. It never ends. The expansion... And people focusing on certain aspects and ideas has led to everybody having their own idea and take and where we live and how we think. You dare not say something with boldness the day or you're classed as a dictator, nutter. (laughs) You can't say that. You just, you have to say, well, in my experience, my experience, you take heroin, you're you're in trouble. Okay, I don't need to take it to know that. I'm telling you, you're in trouble. Wait a minute, it maybe worked for you, but I don't know. It's whatever you're into. That's what we're in. Yeah. Not only that, it's created snowflakes. Everybody's now a snowflake. Can't say anything to MD now because they're too offended now. Because of course they're offended now because it's my idea and it's my angle and it's my experience. Nothing is really true. It's only a matter of opinion. Understand, and we say the scripture, you will know the truth. And the truth, you see, but the attacks on the scripture yeah. Yeah. it's only a matter of opinion as an individual can attach whatever meaning I want, pursue whatever beliefs I have without anyone. It's my life, <laughs> and the truth is my own interpretation of what true is, yeah. and that's where we're at today.
The true gospel message today is mocked, it's belittled. Because it is nothing more than an, another idea and a wealth and a concophony of a billion ideas. However, the sad part of the contemporary church is that many have embraced it. I never actually embraced it. I lived it. I don't even know if I embraced it rather than I just was born in it. I, I don't know that I actually embraced it. I just think that's what I was born in it. <laughs> I was just born into it and that's what I became. 85% of professing Christians said Jesus isn't the only way and you don't need to believe in Jesus to get to heaven. 95% of Roman Catholics believe that there's many ways and it's just up to how that individual sees it. The contemporary church, Christ is becoming none more than a postmodern philosophy, idea, another Oprah. <laughs> Labelled in the realms of Oprah, the scripture is no longer preached because it's too absolute, it's too opinionated, it's too judgmental. Sin is no longer mentioned, therefore. Ever, hardly. And our own takes, always our own takes and our own individuality is the thing that we're celebrating and it's actually the whole thing that you're trying to find out when you're coming to church because we're looking to find your genius. You get what I'm saying? We are looking, you're here and we're going to find your genius. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get where it goes with that? Do you get where we end up? Interestingly enough, just in an offshoot, just because there used to be a week goodbye where I never talked about giving. Now there's never a week goodbye when I don't talk about charismatics. Uh, it started running about the same time as the postmodern era as well, because people were dissatisfied. You know? And at the root of charismatics and people like R.T. Kendall for uh, Westminster Chapel, who took over for Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones and stuff, it was this frustration and uh, I was reading recently about the founder of the New Frontiers movement. Um, and really his desire, as you read his story, I don't want to get too deep here, the desire for the person's, uh, uh, desire for a move of God and something to happen is born out of frustration. And that frustration then leads to other things. And the charismatic movement then, it becomes all different things. It's no, it's no longer in the word. Uh, it moves away from the word and it's an expression of the word. It's no longer God said, it's what's God saying the day? <laughs> what's God saying the day? It's no longer what he said, it's what he's saying the day because, hey, this is 2019 and this old stuff isn't going to do the job anymore. Oh, going to be somewhere else now, you see? Where it goes. Never ending individuality, bespoke problems. Everyone's bespoke in it. Everybody's got a bespoke problem now. Everybody's got a bespoke problem, a bespoke thought, a bespoke idea, a bespoke gift. Of course they have. Because the modern era created options. Yeah. Okay, you got to maybe go like that. We're not interested. In, no, we're no, listen, let's know. Fling the baby out the bathwater on this one. We're not saying options are no good. It's good that you don't need to just go to Blackpool for a fortnight at the fair, innit? 
It's good, it's good that you can go on a plane and, and go to other places. That's, the, that's good. It's, the, the problem is, is, the problem is, is, is this stuff gets discovered and evolved. And this is the battle. As this stuff gets discovered and evolved, they never, they stop bringing this with them. And they leave the word to step outside the word to fully something else. And this thing gets lost in translation. Or lost somewhere because the answer's here anyway. There's nothing new. It's already been written. And when we step outside that, and that's what's happened with science and all sorts of stuff. Psychology becomes all these angles and options and it gives people multiple choice and do you know what they're going to pick what the flesh wants always they're going to pick what the flesh wants and it's drony let's go back to John 8 31 and 30 as we move on the subheading anyway is uh, the truth will set you free John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. These Jews believed at least they had a little belief, but they were not full-on believers. Why? Because their believing was no built in the word. And when your believing is no built on the word, it's, it's, it's open to anything. It's open to anything when your believing is no based on the word. It's open to when my believing wasn't based on the word, I just changed every single day. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was saying that I was one of the people when I was young that, you know, but see, because I was such a people pleaser, I'm so obsessed with approval. I just changed my beliefs based on how passionate somebody else was that I was looking for acceptance of. Does that make sense? So see if somebody was, honestly, I, I, I didn't have an identity. No. I didn't have an, my identity was in, see if somebody was, oh, I agree with that. I was just desperate for their approval. I was that desperate for people's approval that I would change like the wind <laughs> to suit what people believed. Oh, one of these guys, there used to be a programme called, I think it was, I never ever watched, I never, I can't remember watching anyway. It was called The Flash Show anyway, I can remember wee bits here. It's like a sketch show. But there was a guy, I don't know the story, I don't know who the guy was, but he was, he was me. And, and he was dead agreeable, right? He was dead agreeable, right? So he would get into the pub and he would sit and he was, oh, seemed to look back, I feel so. He wasn't even real and I feel sorry for him. And uh, they would be all talking in the pub and they'd go like, oh, just, just say for talk's sake. Fourth cars, brilliant cars. Guy would be like, brilliant, best cars ever. I love four cars. Ooh, four cars, amazing. Ooh, amazing. Ooh, four cars, brilliant. Other guy on this side. Four cars. The worst cars I have ever driven. Guy, four cars. Worst car I've ever driven. Oh, I'd never want a four. He, he can't have an opinion. <laughs> can't have it because his opinion's riddled me. What do you think? What do you, what do you, what do you think? What do you think? The beliefs no built in the word so can change like the wind. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Would you hear this? Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does, does the will of my Father in heaven. I just want to pause here. Think of this. But he who does the will of my Father. Are you, are you with that? Okay. Just, just 
Bear that thought in mind. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And Jesus says, I will declare to them in that day that I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. Wow. But he who does the will of the Father. Did I not prophesy in your name? Well, that's obviously got a different interpretation to the charismatics think. Yeah. Did I know cast out demons in your name? But that wasn't in line with the word. Yeah. Did I know do many wonders in your name? Well, it was obviously no, because it was certainly no in my world that you were doing it in, and it was certainly no in my ways, and it was certainly no in the confines of the way my ways and my word. Yeah. So it's not just what God's saying and what's oh the last few. I feel, that's what the charismatics say, I feel, I'm what you feel. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you don't abide in my word and you start thinking you can play with my gifts and skills, don't presume for a minute that what you're doing is in truth. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. Depart from me, you it's no operating within my ways and the, the way the charismatic see it is, is the reformers are they're, they're keeping God in a box let them get out of the box and let them run riot we're not keeping God in a box we're keeping God in scripture and the reason we're keeping God in scripture is because that's what Jesus says and it's the only way that we're going to get free if it were in scripture if you abide in my word it's freedom in scripture that comes no freedom step outside scripture Jesus said, no, your talking prophecy was no done through me. Nor was it done under my authority. You hear it all the time, the truth will set you free. All the time. Oh, the truth will set you free. No, we need to say the word before it, but if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. And then by knowing the truth, by abiding in the word, eventually you'll be set free. So freedom is a journey. It's a journey to freedom without doubt. And it's a journey of sanctification through the word that freedom comes. What's a bit postmodern truth? You are what you want. You are what you want to be and your truth is what you have decided it to be truth. Well, it is if you don't look at the word as your plumb line. If the word's not your plumb line, anything's truth. We believe they said, Jesus said, if you stand in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what we know. For years we talked facts in church, psychology, all of which gave people multiple choice and the lack and the surrender they were looking for. I have to be really, really humble and honest and uh, I can't think of the other word other than Sorryful, sorrowful, that when we preached in this church, psychology ways, postmodern angles, I believe at the root of some of that is the flesh and the desire not to offend or the desire to think that people need to get 
somehow pampered into heaven, pampered into believing, somehow pampered because they've been hurting enough, they're broken enough, they're struggling enough. Well, it's, a, it's a sorry state of affairs that the world is now shaping truth based on what people can handle. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. We're now shaping truth based on what people can handle rather than what the word says. That does not mean that there's no skills that we have to learn within that truth and how we present it. But that's where we're at. We're, we're, we're not telling the truth because it's, it's not comfortable for people. All of which gave people the multiple choice to lack surrender. Or, or worse, worse, which is a sad thing, continue, continue to no feel guilt towards their sin and their shame. Continue to pursue the wrong thing while still lifting their hands and praising Jesus in church. I was friends with people in a church a while back and I'm not getting into too much detail, but one of, the, one of their philosophies was get people involved, get them a mic, get them on the platform and get them doing stuff and that'll lead to salvation. Really? That'll lead to a zoo. That'll lead to a zoo. And you know what it'll mostly lead to? I'll lead to true believers not coming. Yeah. <laughs> true believers. I'll lead to true believers not going to that church. That's what it'll lead to. And you'll just be left with in a Dulham church where nobody believes in anything. Thinking somehow, somehow that inclusion and somehow that autonomous, personal autonomy Philosophy is somehow going to lead to the person knowing that God loves them. Yeah. Listen, that isn't what makes people know Jesus loves them. That makes them know that you care about them and that's what they're looking for more than Jesus loving them. They're looking for human approval. Yeah. What will lead to knowing Jesus loves them is, is that they're a sinner and that they were going to hell. And the only reason they're not going to hell is, is because of what he done on the cross and there's no other way in which man can get to heaven except through that. That's how they'll know real love. That's the plumb line. The day I know if somebody isn't saturating, and I just mean this is a journey, I have to say, just in case you go, oh no, some days I don't. Saturating themselves in the word. And if I say saturating, maybe that's heavy, eh, because I know people are on a journey of sanctification, but I would say it's, it's not becoming the most important thing and dominant thing in the life and learning truth for the word when conversations are worldly all the time and rather than doesn't mean to say you can't have the conversation do you understand I'm talking about what's the driving force I'm speaking about that in my thinking church about these relationships the soul bearing relationships the, the ones that, that God's at the centre doesn't mean to say that we can't talk about other things but that's the bond that, that drives the relationship. See when that's no there at all. And people are in church and that's no in their world at all. I'm, I'm sceptical. Sceptical's maybe not the right word. I'm concerned as a pastor about their salvation. Because I'm thinking, I'm concerned about your salvation because the word is nowhere near you. You might have ways and ideas and especially if you've been propelled into church, you'll have all the jargon. You'll even have the jargon of the truth will set you free. That might be your go-to scripture. You may believe in Jesus, but 
Their salvation is. Because I know that it's based on the word. It's the, if you remain in my word, you are my disciples. And this is why we're in the word. Because to disciple people, how can we disciple people that with the word? <laughs> if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. So we have to keep preaching the word and teaching the word because that's what will produce disciples and saints. Verse 33, and they answered, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And here is where people struggle so much with change. No, our loving mother will have to say just quickly that somebody asked me, says the difference between the church and Motherwell and the church in Dundee, I would say maturity. Is one of the things. The people in the church in Motherwell, their faith is much more mature than the church in Dundee. I think that's the age as well. But uh, maybe how people have seen commitment. Here is where people struggle so much with change. They have been so enshrined. How dare we go on about free? What are saying to Jesus? What are you on about free? Yeah. Never been a prisoner to no one. I do what I want, where I want, when I want. Tell me I'm a prisoner. And they've been so enshrined in laws and behaviours that they don't know they're no free. Before you're anywhere near truth in Christ, you might, you don't know you're no free. You don't know you're no free. It's slowly but surely, you might be demented. You might be frustrated. You might be annoyed. You might be struggling, but you really don't know that you're no free. My next drink is my next freedom. And then it was my next nightmare. And then it was my next freedom. And then it was my next nightmare. But you don't know that you're no free. It's only as you start to step closer to the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And you just take, as you take a step, or guided, you're divinely guided towards Christ. You start to know that I'm no free. People in church, they think there's nothing wrong with me. I'm free. But inside you're like, I'm no free. I am. My head's getting off like a cap. I'm no free. Other people think they are free. And this is, this is where it goes as we bring this in. Now here, they're not talking about physical freedom here. Because the Jews were no physically free, hardly ever. They're in captivity for 400 years to Pharaoh, amongst other tribes and different things. So they're not talking about physical, geographical freedom here. They're talking about internal these people are like, what are you on about? We've always been free. And this is what people think. People, people think that like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm free. I've got, I, I, I'm free to make whatever choices I want. Really? You think you're making choices? Yeah. 95% of every day is a habit. <laughs> and you think you're making the choice. <laughs> yeah. 95%. Yeah. Unbelievable. Roughly 63,000 thoughts a day. The more you'll have roughly see 63,000 thoughts. Yeah. Out of the more is 63,000 thoughts, all but 500 of them will be the same as yesterday's thoughts. Out of the new 500 thoughts, you'll reject them all apart from three. What three? The ones that you've already decided that you like. Yeah. Oh, but I'm free. <laughs> And because they were captive, they weren't captive physically, or they were captive physically, but internally, because of the belief systems that they had, they thought they were free. 
I never ever went into the pub when I was young, when I was drinking. I never went into the pub and I said, can I have a pint? What's up with you, Mark? I'm suffering from rejection and abandonment issues. I've got low self-esteem. I've got low... I never said that. Give me a pint. I never asked. I never had language for that. We don't know what's wrong with us. And here is a huge issue in today. Most people are no walking in truth and are no walking in freedom. And if you're no walking in truth and you're nowhere near truth and you're miles away from the word. In fact, this is what people actually do. Aren't you? They actually turn away from the word. They turn away from the word. You know, sometimes you're talking to people and you're like, I know for a fact that you're despising everything I'm saying. And they're turning away from the word. As they're falling some and they think that's freedom. They think that's freedom. Before I get saved, I didn't know that I wasn't free. And then just slowly but surely, as God draws you by his spirit, you go, oh, I know I'm no free. You know what I mean? Can you remember your journey of salvation? Yeah. You just, you're like, well, I'm, you don't, you don't get, you're not getting better, you're getting worse, aren't you? Right. You ever notice that? See, see your journey to salvation, you're actually worse because see the stuff that you used to could get away with in order to appease your guilt and your shame, it's no longer working anymore. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and it just you start to get convicted. It's, it's that you're drawn closer to the word because you will know the truth. If you abide in my word, and at the mo- that moment you're not abiding in the word, but you're definitely being mag- magnetically drawn to Christ. And people don't know they're no free. At best, don't think. I suppose the best that people can come to us is they either are no free, don't think they can get free. So they just settle. They accept the unacceptable. Oh, if that's how it is for me, that's just how it's going to be. It's a postmodern philosophy. Or they're even more postmodern than deciding what freedom is for them. No knowing that they're a prisoner or a slave. He tells someone who knows no truth of God or his word that they are a prisoner of their own flesh and they will look at you that you have got three horns. <laughs> what I said last week, you know, going to Glastonbury. No, no, that stuff. You're going to Glastonbury. You're, you're pursuing the flesh. What are you going about? You're out of touch. Jesus freak. Prison their own flesh and they will, they will look at you if you've lost the plot and you're in a cult. Because, and it does not help the contemporary church when we teach the gospel as a multiple choice option. Then that's what it is. Remember what John says, the uh, Gospel of John says, and Peter will bring this in. He was still doing, remember, at the, the beach, at the, the, John 21, he's at the side of the shore. John 21, 18, it says, this is what Jesus says to Peter, because at the time, Peter was still pursuing the flesh in order to overcome. So he was, fishing was, fishing was the drug of choice for Peter when he didn't know what to do. Fishing is where he went. Fishing was his medicine when he didn't know what else to do. He went there. He didn't go to the word. He went to fishing. People go to alcohol, drugs, wherever they go. Clothes, getting approval for their pal, whatever. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, when you were not in the word, when you did not abide in the word, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when... You thought you walked where you wished. You walked where your flesh took you. You went fishing because that's what you done. We think we were making a choice. See, my alcoholism, do you know one of the biggest lies was is that I had the power of choice. 
That's what I used to do. I used to think I had the choice, in a sense, or I was making the, I was making a conscious decision. It wasn't even my flesh that was making a decision. It wasn't even my addiction that was making a decision. It was me. I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry where you do not to wish. This is the difference between when you live in the word and you don't live in the word. When you live in the word and you abide in my word, it's not your flesh that guides you anymore. It's your spirit. When you're knowing the word, it's your flesh that guides you and you think you're in charge. When you're no control over it, it's your flesh that's controlling you. Verse 34 and 36 as we close. Jesus answers them. Most assuredly I say to you, and I love his answer here, because he just goes right for the jugular. He goes right right into the heart of sin. Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you're free indeed. If we are slaves to sin, we're no free at all. If you're pursuing your flesh, people say, I get to do what I want, and you think you're free. You think you're free. The prodigal son thought he was free. <laughs> when the truth was, he was a prisoner of his desires. He's actually a prisoner. And he, in his mind, he thought that was freedom. He thought cashing in his chips and spending his money in way of living, he thought that was... He thought that was freedom. Let me just see a wee offshoot here as we bring this in on that note. Do you know what the father never done? I was, I was studying this the other day. Do you know what the father never done? So the father had two sons. I was talking to, talking to my brother about it the other day. No, my brother, my brother in Christ. About the prodigal son and the father. Here's, here's a bit of comfort for you as parents. Okay? So the prodigal son is a parable, so it didn't exist, okay? So it's a story. So the prodigal son was brought up with the father. Yeah? Correct? Do you think he would have done a good job? Couldn't have done that a good job. Look where the son ended up. <laughs> think about it. Look where the son ended up. Okay? So, I see parents all the time. What about the other son? He couldn't he celebrate the son when he came back. He's got issues and all. He's just got as many issues as his son that left. But yet, parents I see the day. Parents I see the day going, oh, it's causing me, it's causing me. This is what you never see the this is what you never see the father saying in the prodigal. Never. This is no in the prodigal story. If you look at Matthew 15, you will never look 15, you'll never see it. The dad going, oh, oh, I don't know what I've done. Oh, I've just been rubbish. I've just been rubbish. You never hear him saying that. You never hear him going, I've just been a terrible dad. Look at Get the state of him. Look at the state of him. He never does that. He never does that. Because when they were a child, they thought like a child and they acted like a child. But when they became a man, they put away childish ways. And they, they were going to have to pursue God themselves. And if the father brung up those sons as the father and loved them completely and served them completely and they still took off for the hills and they still went and spent their money and while living and the other sons still get issues and we need to stop his parents getting herself a doing when your child just never turned out right neither did God's too if you look at it that way (laughs) 
The bottom line is the son was a slave to sin. At that point, because he didn't devote his life to the father. He didn't surrender his life to the father. He didn't surrender his life to living that life. He, He was pursuing that and he thought that was freedom. He thought that was freedom. The father just let him go, which I love. Which I love, which is a hard thing. I let him go. Let them go, as hard as it is. Let them go. When you go on a journey to them that, let them go. But always watch it. And then when they're ready to come back, you welcome them back and you have a party. Because your son was lost, but now he's found. And people all have to go on that journey themselves. And when Jesus is saying, you'll die in your sins, a slave does not abide in the house forever. And he knew that these Jews, they had all the rituals and all the behaviours. But they knew, as soon as God, Jesus says to them, you have no ability. You're a slave to your sin. And the are we are. Inside them, we are a slave to your sin. And the only way we're no slave to sin is, is we've got rituals and behaviours. I know, but you don't have the sun. You know. You are a slave to sin and you can go and get a handbag and you can go and get shoes and you can go and pursue what your pals want and you can go and pursue wild living. But you're no free. And if we preach freedom to people before we preach repentance, (laughs) understand? We keep on preaching freedom to people and no preaching repentance. Then we become a postmodern church where Jesus is another option and he's no he's no the only one that can set us free. Yeah. If we are slaves to sin, we are not free at all. The postmodern person says, Nothing is sin, nothing is bad, it's my choice. And therefore, because it's my choice and it's my life and it's my opinion, I'm not a slave. No, you're a slave. You think you're directing your path and your steps but it's your flesh your desires your faulty belief systems what was put in you and your nurturing it's all the stuff that's guiding you I learned in psychology as I was going through my journey that it wasn't actually me it was making my choice it was my nurturers yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me it was making my choices it was the belief systems that my nurturers put in me and because I hadn't challenged any of them it was just monkey see monkey do so I was a prisoner Only God through Jesus can take away sin and only Christ can set us free. And I know this, you're no free if you don't know Christ. You're actually a slave to Satan. You are actually, and Jesus says that you're a slave to Satan if you don't know Christ. Until, because only the Son can set you free. So, let's remember if we just start saying, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free if you abide in my word. And some of us will be on this journey just to give you a wee buffer. You'll be on this journey, you'll be going, oh, I'm not in the word enough, oh, I'm not at all. I know, but you're becoming more convicted. Yeah? Slowly but surely, you're getting more convicted. I need to get in the word. I need to get in the word. You're becoming more convicted. Eh? And you're becoming not just more convicted, you're becoming more in love, if you like, with Christ and his word. Yeah? And it's the only thing that's going to... So it's a plumb line that measures every one of your lives. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.